They said not to do it. Yeah, I talked to three financial advisors, mainly because it makes sense to get more than one opinion. But well, I say mainly, most importantly, I kept shopping around till I got the answer I wanted to hear. Hey y'all, I'm Tommy Tomlinson. And from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Southbound. Conversations with people from all walks of life about how the South shapes who they are and what they do. If you went on road trips in the old pre-interstate South, you've probably been to a Stuckey's. Sylvester Stuckey's started with a pecan stand in Eastman, Georgia in 1937 and turned it into a chain with nearly 400 stores in 30 states. It was known for deliberately kitschy souvenirs, clean restrooms, and its famous pecan log rolls. But in the late 70s, after the family sold the chain and it went through a couple of corporate mergers, Stucky started to dwindle. As of a couple of years ago, it was down to barely a dozen stores. Then Stephanie Stucky, Sylvester's granddaughter, stepped in. Two and a half years ago, she set aside a career as a lawyer and former state legislator to buy her family's old company back. You can now find her on Instagram and TikTok, traveling America on what looks like an endless road trip, pointing out the quirky stuff along the highways and back roads, as well as promoting her stores. Her story is about taking a risk to preserve not just an iconic Southern brand, but her family's legacy. It's also about pronouncing a particular Southern word the correct way. You'll have to listen to find out that part. Here's our conversation. Stephanie Stuckey, uh, lots of people, especially those of us who grew up in the South, have memories of going to Stuckey's. What are your memories of Stuckey's from when you were a kid? I road trip like everyone else and pulled over at Stuckey's like other families because the business had been sold by my grandfather a year before I was born. So it was actually out of our hands, our family hands, my entire childhood. And so my memories are pulling over and begging my parents to buy those kitschy souvenirs. We didn't get anything at Stuckey's for free. And I remember a pet rock, just having a meltdown for a pet rock. (laughs) Yeah. So I remember that. And I remember the, the snack bars. We had really great snack bars. We had this, there's a couple stores that still offer the King of the Road special. And for 99 cents, you can get eggs, two pieces of toast and uh, jelly, <laughs> a, little, a little packet of jelly. It's what, what people in the industry call a loss leader right? You're going to lose money on it, but it brings people in the door and then they're going to spend money on your other things. So what were family road trips like when you were a kid? I think they were family road trips like yours, right? We were both product of the, of the seventies and it, it, we thought nothing of getting in a car and driving for two to three days to go anywhere. Families like ours, we would pile in that for us, it was the Woody station wagon. And so we would go down to Disney world and Wikiwachi, Citrus World, Marine Land. My favorite was a really rinky-dink place in Ocala, Florida, right next to Silver Spring Park with the glass-bottom boats. And it was called Six Gun Territory. I remember Six Gun Territory. It was great because they had all these actors who dressed up in period costume and they had these 
reenactments of gunfights. It was so much fun. It was not uncommon to just bundle all of that together and you'd stay at Howard Johnson's and you'd get the Hojo Cola. They, they didn't serve Coke or Pepsi. It was Hojo Cola. Of course, we're from the South. We're from Georgia and we would never drink Pepsi, right? That was like a sacrifice to not drink Coca-Cola in the South and Georgia. Uh, but I, I, we did all of that. We'd pile everything into one, one vacation and cram as many destinations as possible into one week. Go back a little bit and kind of tell people how Stuckey's got started. We started during the Great Depression, 1937. My grandfather was looking for a side hustle to make more money because he was broke and farming cotton and absolutely hated it. And jobs were very scarce, but one thing was plentiful in middle Georgia, especially in the fall, and that's pecans. It was a bumper crop. And so pecans were all over. Back then, it was not uncommon for people to keep pecans as shade trees or if you farmed cotton or corn or some other crop, you would have 10, 20 pecan trees just for home consumption, right? And so my grandfather had the bright idea to go around the countryside and just start buying up pecans because they, they had this bumper crop and they were everywhere. So he would, he would get their pecans and then he went to a local sheller and shell the pecans, and then he opened up a little roadside stand. So initially he was just reselling them to the sheller. And then he realized, why am I giving the everything up to the sheller? I, I could be reselling these. I could do the same thing he's doing and I could mark them up and I could make them even better and do a value add and make candy. So my grandmother came up with divinity, fudge, pralines, all these traditional Southern recipes. And then the pecan log roll. We really invented the pecan log roll, my grandmother Ethel, and that's what we became known for because it was something different. And he really started what became the world's first roadside retail chain. And he grew it from those very humble beginnings to by the mid seventies, when we remember it, us Gen Xers and baby boomers would really remember that era we had almost 370 stores in 40 states. We were on every major interstate highway. We had a candy company, a distribution company, a trucking company, a sign painting company, 4,000 signs all over the nation's highways, an exclusive deal to sell Texaco gas on the interstate, which is really how my grandfather made his money. So that was, that was Stuckey's. We were synonymous with the road trip. We peaked when the road trip peaked. And then we plummeted when the road trip plummeted. Gas prices surging, airline becoming affordable, and suddenly our brand had lost its market share. And Stuckey's became these roadside relics of family vacations past. You would drive by shuttered stores, or frankly, I think even worse, our stores were turned into porn shops and trucker bars and stripper joints. And it was heartbreaking to see that. So fast forward to 2019. I am an environmental attorney, 53 years old, got my own career going. And the latest investor group that owns Stuckey's called me and said, it's for sale. Is the family interested? Nobody else in the family wanted to buy it. And so I sunk my life savings, bought it. We were six figures in debt. And two and a half years later, we are profitable and making a comeback. So at its low point, I guess maybe when you entered the picture, 
like how many stores were there? What shape were they in? That sort of thing. People think that we own and operate the stores. And I wish we did, but the reality is we don't. When I bought the company, we do not own or operate any of the stores. We were franchised at the time with 68 locations, only 14 of them. Now it's down to 13 because one was destroyed in a fire, but 13 original Stucky stores of like what we think of as a Stucky store, right? And then there's 20 that are freestanding stores total. And the remainder are store within a store concept. And so you might pull over at a big travel plaza and they'll have a section within the store that is exclusively dedicated to Stuckies. And so all of those entities, those 68 entities pay us what at the time was a franchise fee, but turns out we were out of compliance with franchise laws, which was a hot mess. Took me a year to unravel all that and fix it. And the fix was to turn it into a licensing deal. And the long and short of that is we have very little control over the stores right now. We do not have the financial or the operational capacity to manage those stores, but we do what we can. And we have a team of sales reps. I say a team, there's three and I supervise them. We have three sales reps who service those accounts, but really how we are turning the company around. So that, that represents less than 10% of our revenue, the licensing fees. The way we are turning the company around is the sale of our branded product, which when I bought the company had been outsourced since 1964. So we weren't making our candies anymore. We weren't making the pecan snacks. And I got a business partner and we jointly applied for SBA loan. We got the financing put together. Everything I own is collateral. And we purchased a pre-existing manufacturing facility that shells pecans and makes candy so all of our pecan snacks and our candies, we make ourselves in-house. We have a distribution facility and we have gone from having our product alone, not, not a licensing fee, but just people selling Stucky's candy. When I bought the company, we had you know maybe a hundred or so accounts that sold our product. And we're now in about 5,000 units. I wanna back up just a little bit. When you were talking about doing this, I assume you maybe talk to some financial advisors and that sort of thing. I'm just wondering what people said as you were preparing to make this investment. They said not to do it. Yeah, I talked to three financial advisors, mainly because it makes sense to get more than one opinion. But why well, say mainly, most importantly, I kept shopping around till I got the answer I wanted to hear because the financial reports didn't show what wasn't on the books. And that was the value of the brand, the value of the trademark. I had grown up, even though I grew up in DC, we have always had a home in the South and my dad was always up for reelection. So I was always around people, even recently, you know, with the company having really plummeted my whole life, people have said, Stucky, your last name's Stucky. I have the best memories of Stuckies. Is that your family? And when I say yes, then they their eyes missed over and they tell the story about road tripping with their parents and their siblings and what a special time it was. And they just couldn't wait to pull over. And I'd grown up with a lifetime of hearing that. And I thought that's worth something. That that has value. And as long as people are getting misty-eyed over our brand, I don't want it to be relegated to a whatever happened to mention in an article about 
lost roadside America. Maybe that answers this question. Then I was going to ask what what drew you so much to this company, this brand that uh, your family had gotten rid of before you were even born. I loved my grandfather, and even though he sold it, I think he would be heartbroken to have seen what happened to what he put his entire life into. I didn't want his legacy to be trucker bars and strip joints and porn shops. I didn't want people to say whatever happened to Stuckey's and have our brand just be a has-been. And so I, I wanted to, I wanted to prove that it can be done too. Right. I think, I think people who have a chip on their shoulder and have something to prove are really the people who are going to make it. And I don't know any other brand like ours that fell out of their family hands and they got it back. So what sells well uh, through the Stuckey's brand? I mean, I think of obviously like snacks and souvenirs. Are there particular things that are like really do well for you guys? Sure. Well, we have categories and in the sweets and snack department, it's the pecan log roll, stupid, right? But by the way, explain to people who may not have experienced this uh, delicacy, what just what that is. It is nougat. So if you're familiar with divinity, it's kind of like a, a divinity center, but a nougat's a little thicker and stronger to hold up with the nuts attached to it. Uh, so those not familiar with the nougat, it's sugar and corn syrup. And there's a little salt and some vanilla and it's heated up at a very high temperature. And there's a real art to getting the temperature just right, getting that blend done. So it's that nougat interior. Our secret sauce with our nougat is we put maraschino cherries in there and then we cover it in caramel. And then we hand roll that in fresh roasted, fresh crop pecans, all from Georgia, which is the number one state for pecan production. And it's only that year's crop. So every year we run through the entire inventory of pecans by August. And it's delicious and it's what we're known for. It's a unique confection. So that's our best seller, the two ounce, the four ounce, the six ounce and the 10 ounce. And then our pralines and we call them gophers for trademark reasons. People think of them as turtles. We sell a lot of turtles, we sell divinity. And then our fastest growing segment is the snack segment. So we do pecans that pecan halves that we roast and we flavor. And are you still in the souvenir business? Yes. So our novelty section, that is in the, the standalone stores that have the Stuckey's licensed use of our name. And that's a smaller portion of our business now. We, the way we are growing the business is through the food, but the novelty items, the ones that sell the best are actually the falsa blankets. We've been selling those for decades, Mexican falsa blankets. We get a really good deal on them. We buy about $80,000 worth at a time, fills up a quarter of our warehouse with falsa blankets and we'll sell through them in a month or two. It's amazing. They fly off the shelves. Baja jackets, and then just trinkets, all sorts of statues and uh, back scratchers, right? It used to be the fidget spinner, but now they're called poppers, you know, like whatever. You know, we, so we 
you get the stuff that's popular and that moves. There's a real science to that because if you get these trends and you don't move them fast enough, then you're stuck with 3,000 fidget spinners. Uh, Jesus stuff sells. <laughs> People love that stuff. Uh, shell statues, cedar boxes with. That's what I, re- I remember the, the cedar. I remember the just the smell, the smell of those boxes when I went into the store. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Snow globes, souvenir spoons, shot glasses, ball caps, t-shirts. And we do some branded stucky stuff that are the t-shirts and the ball caps, some of the more traditional items, state merchandise for Texas. Except for the state of Texas, we really don't stock up on a lot of the state merchandise because it gathers dust literally on our shelves. But Texans love their Texas stuff. We sell a lot of Texas merchandise. So you got to hand it to Texas. I know they're they're big and sometimes a little arrogant, but they, they're proud of their state and they buy their merchandise. When we come back, Stephanie Stuckey talks about how road trips are deep in her family's DNA. My dad has memorized mile markers. I'll, I'll be on the road and talking to him and he'll say, you're on I-85, what mile marker are you at? And I'll say 166. And he's like, oh, there's a Chevron at the next exit. Like, it's insane. That and more I had on Southbound. Hey, this is Tommy. Before we get back to this episode, I want to ask for a little help with something. If you enjoy Southbound, please give us a good rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast provider you have that allows such things. The more reviews and better ratings we get, the better chance there is that other listeners can find us. But to be honest, I just assume you tell people about Southbound through good old word of mouth. If you could recommend it to just one person you know, somebody you might think would enjoy interesting conversations about the South, I'd be deeply grateful. If you have any thoughts about the show, guests to recommend, or anything you think might make Southbound better, you can email me anytime at ttomlinson at wfae.org. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time. And now, back to my conversation with Stephanie Stuckey. So you are a attorney, our attorney, or a state legislator for quite a while. Yes. What did what did you learn in politics and law that helps in what you're trying to do now? Throughout my career, I have always advocated for the underdog. And that's a theme that I realized with Stuckey's really played to my strong suit. When I was an attorney, I was a public defender. And then I later became an environmental attorney and I represented the environment side of the versus, not the big corporate side. And so I was representing the Sierra Club and citizens groups and river keepers trying to protect our nation's air, water, and land. And that was very much representing the underdog. It was often our little law firm against five corporation attorneys, right? They would get all these different firms. So that's definitely representing the underdog. And in the legislature, I was in the minority party in Georgia. And so I was, I was often filing minority reports, going in the well, the General Assembly, and giving speeches, advocating for people who 
don't always have their voices heard. So I, I kind of wanted to get away from that in politics. I got tired of the divisiveness. I got tired of always being in the minority party. That wasn't fun. And I thought I'm going to try something different. And I actually segued into being head of sustainability for the city of Atlanta, which I loved. And I left, I had just left that role, was working in the private sector and the environment when I got this call to represent my family. You, you take all the challenges, but you also get the benefits of being able to shape the vision of how you see the company. And, and jointly, I do that with my business partner. So we're we're very much a partnership, but we're blessed that we share the vision for where we want this, this company to go. And we agree that our brand is about unity and making everyone feel inclusive and like they belong. So I didn't like that aspect of politics. I didn't like all the divisiveness. So I am happily still advocating for the underdog, which is Stuckey's. We are a scrappy comeback brand. Well, it's interesting that you talk about this sort of scrappy underdog thing because obviously since the heyday of Stuckey's, um, this whole roadside stand thing has gotten really massive. You know, these big truck stops and and these places and, and places like Bucky's now, yeah. they're like a Walmart of a convenience store. What niche do you think a place like Stuckey's, where does it fit in? So any of those truck plazas could sell Stuckey's pecans, could sell Stuckey's log rolls and candies. We're a road trip brand. We are uniquely well-suited to be in that space. So I would love it. Nothing would make me happier than to have Stuckey's the way it was in our heyday in the 70s, but that's not the reality. And I don't have access to the type of financing that it would take to have that kind of operation. And there are others in that space who frankly are killing it. You know, people always ask me like, oh, what do you think of Bucky's? They're the competition, but you hate them. And I'm like, Bucky's is taking the Stuckey's concept because we were there first and they put it on steroids and they're doing an amazing job and they've got their own personality. Talk about Texas, you know, it's very much Texas. And I applaud them. They're making road trips exciting and people want to pull over. And so I, I don't see that as competition. I see them as an opportunity, frankly, to collaborate. I would love for them to sell our product. And I don't want us to be a big travel plaza. That's the other thing. I think road trippers today, by and large, are expecting that big travel plaza experience. And that's great. But our brand is not a giant travel plaza. I think that's what you need largely, literally, to make it in that highly competitive roadside retail world. As people look at your social media, Instagram and TikTok and things, you seem to be on this like sort of eternal road trip. And I know part of it is to promote Stuckies and part of it is just to get down the road. Where did the idea for that come from? It is literally in my DNA. I think people are born a certain way. And my entire life, I have loved to road trip. My dad loves to road trip. My dad has memorized mile markers. I'll, I'll be on the road and talking to him and he'll say, you're on I-85, what mile marker are you at? And I'll say 166. And he's like, oh, there's a Chevron at the next exit. Like, it's insane. It's in our blood. And so when we bought the company back, we had this whole day long branding session where 
our board hashed out how are we going to communicate externally about the brand. So we came up with a simple sentence. We make road trips fun. We're about the road trip. It's just like Corona beer makes you think of being on the beach or listening to a Jimmy Buffett song makes you think of being on the beach. You don't have to be on the beach to get that experience, right? So I want people when they think of Stuckey's to think of the road trip, whether we have five stores or 500. So what are a couple of things as you've been out on the road doing this that you've seen that you didn't know about or that turned out to be really cool, better than you expected? I think it's been really rewarding to see how many of these small towns have a lot going on. Not really thinking that Opelika, Alabama would be a fun place to pull over and spend a day, right? But actually Opelika, Alabama is amazing. And it's where they filmed the movie Norma Ray. They have this great pinball bar, which is filled with pinball machines. And they have wonderful coffee shops and bookstores, beautiful downtown. They have this cool old retro motel called the Golden Cherry. It needs a little TLC, but if I win the lottery, I'm buying it. And it's just discovering places like that. So are you uh, renting a car for all this or do you have like your road trip vehicle? I have the most worn out car. It's pitiful. When I say I sunk my life savings at age 53 into buying suckies, I really did. I have not bought new clothes in three years. I joke about us being ramen noodle profitable. And I, I had a Tesla. I bought a used Tesla when I was head of sustainability for city of Atlanta and I was making good money. I had a used Tesla and I, I found, and I'm absolutely huge fan of electric vehicles, but when you're driving, you know, 600 miles in a day and you've got to make halfway decent time. I mean, I pull over a lot, but I just was not getting access to the charging that I needed for the lifestyle I was now living in Stucky. So I had to get a, I got a hybrid and I bought it on Craigslist for $6,000. It's a Mercury Milan and it's totally junky. It's completely junked up. And I, we were late for the podcast today, right? Because it's in the repair shop again. Uh, but it's it's holding on. It's an American-made car. Been very happy with it. But it's going to give out sooner or later. And I'll have to buy myself a car. We are profitable now. So I don't mean to sound like we're not. But we're putting every everything we make is going right back into the company so we can grow it. So I'm not pulling... I'm not pulling a big... I just started pulling the salary two months ago. Are there other ideas or other things that you kind of have a vision for, for this? Company. Oh Lord. Yes. I have so many ideas. I, my ultimate dream is to have this big Stuckey's RV, ideally running on electric, travel the country in an RV that's labeled Stuckey's and just visit Redside America and promote the brand. Are the, maybe especially the older members of your family, are they sort of shocked that this all is working out? I think so. I think my dad especially was pretty surprised that I was able to do it, to be honest. He's my biggest fan. They're very proud. My Aunt Linda, so my grandfather had two children and they're both thankfully still with us. And my Aunt Linda has told me repeatedly how proud she is and she loves hearing from her friends that they stopped at Stucky's and they're glad to see the brand coming back. I have one, one last question. So I'm, I'm a South Georgia guy. I always grew up saying pecans. And you're, you're a pecan person, clearly. I have been 
conditioned to say pecan because so many people get bent out of shape and roll their eyes and you know, tell me the usual jokes about pecans. Something somebody keeps under their bed if they have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'll say pecan, but no, I naturally say pecan. Thank you. Yes, I, I'm. I'm glad to hear that somebody else is saying it correctly. Well, I will tell you about my what my grandfather said, and he is South Georgia boy, was, and he said they're pecans when you pick them, pecans when you sell them. The logic being most Americans say pecans and you always cater to whatever the customer wants. And so if his customer said pecan, he was going to say pecan. You always got to close the deal. When I was a kid, my favorite place in the world was Chico's Monkey Farm. It was a little roadside zoo off US 17, south of Richmond Hill, Georgia. I'm sure I would be mortified if I saw a place like that now. I'm guessing they didn't exactly keep up with the animal welfare regulations. But when I was a kid, it was magic. There were gators and monkeys and peacocks. There was a gift shop with terrible tacky souvenirs that to me were like treasures. I begged my mom and dad to stop every time we drove by there. Even though one time we did stop, I got bit by a goose. Stuckey's is a throwback to those older, weirder days of the American road trip. It was never as efficient as a Sheets or a QT, and it sure didn't sprawl like one of those enormous Bucky stores. It just gave a family a place to pull over, get some gas, go to the bathroom, and buy stuff they didn't need. Business is hard. Stephanie Stuckey seems to have a good plan and a ton of energy, but can she revive the family business for good? Who knows? What I do know is that Stuckey's took me back in time. When a road trip meant navigating with paper maps and drinking Cokes from deposit bottles and getting your sugar rush from a pecan log roll. Those weren't better times necessarily, but they did make good memories. Southbound is a production of WFAE in Charlotte. Our main theme music comes from Josh Turner. You can listen to this and other episodes of Southbound on the NPR One app, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find Southbound on WFAE.org, where each episode has show notes with more information on that week's guest. See you all next time. Thanks for listening.